Hey, New City family, this is Brian Scott. I was asked to do the sermon for Palm Sunday a few months ago. Never in a million years would I have thought that I'd be doing that sermon in my kitchen with my Ohio State slippers on. But here we are. And as we get started, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever felt like God was asking you to be obedient to something that was totally illogical, unreasonable, maybe even crazy? I had a conversation this week with a leader in one of our churches, one of our ethnic churches. And he told me the story about the guy that was over their audio video ministry. He came to them and asked the leadership to purchase an expensive video camera. Now, this was before the COVID-19 restrictions. So instead of uh, denying that request, because it wasn't a very reasonable request, they prayed about it. They came together as leaders. They took this guy seriously and asked God what he was thinking. And by God, God, by his spirit, gave them the indication that he wanted them to purchase that camera. So they did. This past Sunday, this church broadcasted their service where they presented the gospel of life. And it reached all across the globe. And 3,000 people watched that service, many in unreached areas of the world. They didn't know what they were they were responding to. They didn't know what their obedience would produce. They didn't know the outcome, but God did. His expectation of that church and of that leadership was just to respond in obedience to what he was saying. And they saw that there was a great outcome of life. Who knows how many of those people had never heard the gospel before? Who knows how many of those people are experiencing life right now that would be unknown to them uh, a couple weeks ago. As you know, this is Palm Sunday. This is the time when we read about Jesus, the account of Jesus riding into Jerusalem, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, riding into Jerusalem. Now, this king is no ordinary king, and this king did things out of the ordinary in his ministry. But there was one characteristic that was evident and apparent everywhere he went with every relationship that he had. He brought life. He brought life. That's who he was. That's who he is. And so many people uh, ex had experienced that life with Jesus. His mere presence was brought clarity. It brought acceptance. It brought grace. It brought power. It brought healing. It brought life. And he's riding into Jerusalem. He's coming into Jerusalem with a, a whole train of people following that had experienced a transformation of some form of their life. Some had received the healing physically. Some had, had received the healing spiritually. Uh, some had received the healing of emotion. But they had all experienced the grace that only Jesus could bring. And then you had the Israelites that were waiting and, and, and waiting for their Messiah. This people group had experienced death. They had experienced persecution. They had experienced the rawness of being a conquered people. They knew what death looked like. And they were just longing for their Messiah to come 
in order to bring them back to a time when they had experienced a, a more freeing life. They wanted it, uh, their king to bring them to a point where they had experienced life of freedom. But what they were expecting wasn't a king riding in on a donkey. However, if they would have heeded the words of Zechariah, they would have known that this was their Messiah. I'm going to read to you the prophecy that came uh, from the prophet uh, Zechariah. He says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. Here's what it looked like. You want to turn with me to Mark 11, verses 1 through 7. Mark 11, 1 through 7. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord has need of it, and will send it back here immediately. And they went away and found a colt tied at a door outside in the street, and they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, What are you doing untying the colt? And they told them what Jesus had said, and they let him go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. All the times that Jesus could have declared his Messiahship, and all the ways he could have done it, he determined that he was going to do it out of obedience, out of a fulfillment of Scripture, humble, riding on a donkey, which had never been written, a foul of a donkey, which had never been written. Can you imagine how unyielding that beast would have been? It would have been a lot more apparent to everybody if he would have came riding on a white stallion. That day will come, but he was not entering as the conqueror. He was entering as the suffering servant. He was entering Jerusalem knowing that he was going to offer his life as a ransom for many. That out of his obedience, even unto death, that many would experience life. Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. He even demonstrated that by laying out exactly what his disciples would experience when they found that cult. He demonstrated that he knew the outcome was going to be torture. It was going to be death. And yet, he took it all in stride because he knew that it was going to bring life. Picking up in verse 8. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the field. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Now, I don't believe that those who were shouting and those who were celebrating the entry of Jesus were all scholars that they all knew the ramifications of Jesus coming in on a donkey. I believe that these were just people that had experienced life in Jesus. These are people that had been touched 
by who, who Jesus was, that, that healing and, and freedom was, was in his ministry. I think these were people that were just responding naturally about what they had experienced. Now, the Pharisees, they wanted, to stop, wanted it to stop. They asked Jesus to rebuke the people, to rebuke his disciples. But Jesus was only, uh, these people were only uh, expressing uh, what they had experienced with Jesus. And actually, Jesus said, you know what? If these people shut up, then the rocks will cry out. For Jesus, it wasn't about the accolades. For Jesus, it was about being obedient. It was about fulfilling the task that was placed out in front of him, knowing what the outcome was. It was about knowing that his death and his resurrection was going to conquer death and bring life to many generations. There would be no stopping this offering after he conquered death and was brought to life. With that knowledge, Jesus went headlong into the circumstance. His focus was completing the task. But our focus is similar. We have the life of Jesus residing in us. We have been rebirthed by this life. We carry this message now with the power of the Holy Spirit. Our focus is the same. So what should our predisposition be? with these restrictions around COVID-19? What should our disposition be as we see what life will be afterwards? It's obedience. It's simple obedience. We don't know the outcome of our obedience, but God does. And we know, though, that the outcome is life. So our disposition is obedience because that's what he did. That's what he does. He brings life. And the spirit of Jesus lives inside of us. So let's take his example. Let's be obedient, but also know that he has given us his spirit to help us in that obedience. John fourteen fifteen through 17, Jesus says, If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you. He will be in you. He has not left us alone. He has not given us, uh, left us to our own devices. He has given us his spirit. You are the bearer of life. You bring this message of life to the world. Is there something that he is saying to you, even now, that he's wanting you to be obedient to. Is that, is that call to obedience triggering something of emotion in you? Is it an obstacle, your emotions? Well, Jesus experienced similar emotions. Um, if you remember the interaction that he had with his father in the garden, he did not want to go in his humanness. He was fully human. He was experiencing the emotion of knowing what was ahead of him. And asking his father to take this cup away from him. But he said, but not my will. Your will be done. That was his desire, was to be obedient and to complete the task. So, uh, as you look at the events of COVID-19, it almost seems like it's unsurmountable. 
the the circumstances are over, overwhelming. We can't control these things. But we know that there is one who understands what is going on and and desires our obedience because he is controlling all that is going on around us. And he has come to bring life through his church. Let us take the example of Christ. Let us take the example that Jesus laid out in front of us. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy, get this, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. There is a place for the church in the midst of the COVID-19 uh, circumstances. There is a place for the church to express life, to express light, to express stability uh, to a world that is confused and in uh, desperate need of wanting to, of needing to hear what the voice of God is saying. And he's doing that through his church. Would you be obedient to what he's saying during these times? Is there a neighbor? Is there a person in, the, in your sphere of influence that God is calling you to open your mouth, to step out in faith, to take a risk, to be obedient? Because out of your obedience, out of my obedience, out of the church's obedience, God will bring life to places of death. He will express his characteristics through his church. Will you pray with me? Father, we have no idea what tomorrow brings. God, we are, are in a place of un, uh, being uncomfortable. We are, are experiencing things that have we have not experienced before. But God, your mission in the world to reconcile mankind, to bring life out of dark, to bring light out of darkness and life out of death, is sure. You are constant. You're consistent. God, you're unchanging. Would you show yourself through your church? Would we be seen as a testimony of your goodness and of your grace? Would you draw men and women, boys and girls, to yourself, even through these circumstances? God, we are, are, are humbled with the fact that we, we are instruments in this, in this uh, mission of reconciliation. And God, I pray that we would be obedient to the things that you call us to, even in the small things. Will we be obedient, knowing that you have a plan and that, uh, that your spirit speaks through us. So God, I thank you for the family of New City. I pray your blessing on New City, on the, the, the uh, ministry that you're calling her to. And God, knowing that you will bring about um, what you have what you desire to accomplish through her. And Jesus, we love you. We pray these things in your name. Amen. It's been a blessing. Thank you, New City, and hope to see you soon.